This is Robotic Disclosure, the program that reveals everything you want to know about robotic surgery, robotic technology, and how to run a best practice robotic program for your hospital, your surgeons, and your patients. And now, here's your host, Josh Feldstein. Our next guest is Chris Elfner, Vice President of Accountable Care Strategies at Bell & Health in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Chris is a man who knows how to turn large amounts of data into very powerful information that creates knowledge that drives big strategic decision-making and cost-effectiveness. Hey, that is a mouthful, but when it comes to big data, Chris really is the guy. Listen to what he has to say. Chris, so great to have you today. Thanks for having me. When we think about achieving a really clean, actionable data set, uh, most institutions see this as a massive stumbling block. When you think about data, you see opportunities. How would you suggest approaching the whole notion of developing uh, a big data approach in healthcare systems today uh, as it applies to robotic surgery programs and uh, I would say the entire surgical program or the hospital even as a whole? Sure. Well, the issue is not unique to any of the things you've just mentioned. And, And I think it's important to start by saying analytics is an output of data entry. And so if you're putting crummy data in, you're going to get crummy analytics out. So you really need to focus all the way back at the point where data goes in. And in healthcare, you've got humans serving humans. Uh, and in many cases, you have even more humans documenting that process and then different humans billing out for that processes. And there's a lot of opportunity for error. Uh, there isn't a silver bullet that says tomorrow you will have great data that you can start analyzing. But I would recommend every organization should start exposing the data as it sits in the systems today. Uh, Understanding what you really want to measure and what actions you want to take with those measures uh, and start showing what those metrics look like. And people will say, well, that data's wrong. And the answer is, well, it's accurately representing what you've documented. And that starts the process and starts moving the needle to having quality data input on the things that are important to your organization. It doesn't need to be perfect in every case, and you can't make it perfect in every case, but on the things that are important to your organization, you need to do that. And another thing that will happen there is you'll start finding gaps where you aren't even documenting things. Uh, An example would be if you're trying to figure out turnaround time, do you actually know when, when the turnaround crew entered the room and left the room, or are you just wheels out to to wheels in or something of that sort. It's been a long journey for you to get to this level of simplicity, but I'm imagining that in the beginning it was anything but simple in, in terms of the way you approached this. Can you speak to that process a little bit for uh, administrators who are looking at this as a very overwhelming process? Yes. So it all started when really when we implemented Epic and we had a whole new system that data was coming through and we had a a Meditech as our previous EMR and we had that data coming through as well and we had to map it and and make that data come together and it was very painful to really understand what was going on and, and where it was happening and how it was happening and understanding whether the information going in was actually being captured as intended or if people were using fields in different ways. Uh, 
So slowly understanding what is most important. Is it, is it true truth in scheduling? Is it surgery on time starts? Is it, uh, turnaround times, understanding what you need to know about the surgery. And then even more so, how do we link that information to what happens to the patient who we serve down the road and understanding if those opportunities, uh, if our surgeries produce the right outcomes or if there's an opportunity to improve upon the surgeries that we're doing. And even comparing different surgeons and different surgery processes. All of that requires capturing good data and and that really has to be the intention. The EMR was put in under the guise of meaningful use, but the meaningful use of the EMR really happens when we're able to pull large amounts of information out, analyze it, gain new knowledge from it, and drive smarter action from it. You've just described five or six very important points. Let me see if I can tease a few of them apart. Uh, you've talked considerably uh, thus far about capturing good data. And uh, one of the challenges that I'm imagining everybody uh, has to uh, overcome at at hospitals and and systems nationally is accepting the fact that there is a lot of human error and that there is, to be honest, laziness or oversight or omission in, in the process how does an administration begin to tackle that very real-world problem uh, initially? Well, I, I mean, the easiest way is to automate the capture of the information. So if you have tools that can capture the information and drive it immediately in, that helps. But the other piece of that is, is really, you know, I go back to you, you, you really need to understand what needs to be captured correctly and whether it's building a process around that to ensure there's time, resources, and even the will and, and incentive to capture uh, the pieces of information that are most important. I, I, I think I'd even start at a higher level. What are you planning to do about it? And, and build out the process to make sure that you're able to get data captured that gives you the knowledge of whether you need to do something differently or or whether your processes are at least within the thresholds you're willing to accept. Now you're asking a question about questions. And I think part of the, the, the difficulty is that for, for many institutions and many robotic programs, the, the, the types of questions that need to be asked of the data aren't clearly defined. How does the program attack that problem? Is this something that uh, ends up getting uh, uh, passed on to the uh, governing committee structure? Is this something that comes out of the C-suite? Is this something that comes out of the, uh, the uh, clinical leadership? Uh, who starts defining these key questions? And along that same line, Chris, you've talked a little bit about patient experience as uh, a kind of a litmus test for, for some of these questions. Um, these are really two different components of the same question. In other words, defining the right questions that you want to get out of data and then using patient experience on some level to verify whether and to what degree you're answering those questions. Uh, is that a valid uh, uh, framework? I, I think that's the start of a framework. And what you're really hinting at is the triple or even quadruple aim, right? So... In healthcare today, you're really focused. Not, 
not only on the outcomes that you're producing and, and the quality of the processes. And by quality, I don't mean necessarily just the traditional quality metrics, but are you pr- producing uh, producing products that your customers want and are you producing them with a process that's predictable? So uh, that does produce quality outcomes, which is, of course, very important. But you want to do that with the patient experience in mind and make sure that, that they are able to have uh, the optimal customer experience or patient experience. And you need to do it at a, at in an efficient and affordable manner, not just to the patient, but to the organization as well. All of that needs to be balanced with that fourth thing that they've added for the quadruple aim, which is the joint work, the joint work of, of the staff, of the medical staff, uh, of the support staff who's producing those results. So when you ask, how, how does that trickle down? It starts with the organizational leadership having a clear aim, a clear strategy, clear objectives, and that then has to trickle down to the departments, including the surgery department, the robotic surgery department, and every other department of the organization to get all of that work behind a single arrow. Uh, It's very difficult to ask those good questions that we were just talking about if you're not exactly sure what you're trying to achieve. Right, right. Very true. And... Along that line, when you think about the data itself, one of the assumptions that we see frequently is that uh, people believe that if they have an EPIC system or they have a Cerner system, uh, the data that flows out of that EMR is necessarily uh, all they need. And yet, from uh, real-world experience, we know that, in fact, it has to be commingled with many other data sets. Uh, what type of perspective would you offer administration thinking about uh, aggregating data to be able to achieve some of the work that you're describing uh, from multiple streams of data? What are all the different sources that they should be looking at when they think about creating an aggregated big data set? Well, there, there are lots of different sources. The EMR is by far the most rich and uh, controllable by healthcare in that it's our system, right? So we have the system, we've implemented the system, we should be able to manage quality and content that goes within that system. But that's really talking about healthcare and a lot of the things that affect uh, outcomes, surgical outcomes or any other outcomes that healthcare produces are more about health than healthcare. So it's a much broader view uh, into it's it's really about what has happened to this person before that brought them to this place in front of us where we're performing surgery on them and understanding uh, all of the different aspects. People talk about the social determinants of health, but it's really about their beliefs and their abilities and what are they able to achieve. Uh, implementing a periop- perioperative surgical home type of model where you you really understand whether someone is ready to have that surgical intervention or whether they might need some other care first to get them ready so that you are assuring that you're producing that quadruple aim, a great experience, great outcome, and affordable price. So, yeah, building out building out those pieces, that is really understanding the entire person. There's also a lot of care that happens outside of our system, and, and that's really still in the healthcare space, but understanding uh, where people go afterwards, a lot of complications from surgery don't happen during the surgery. They happen uh, days, weeks, or even months later, maybe even years, depending on uh, the type of surgery. 
and really being able to follow the individual across that journey wherever they're going, which often isn't the health system to perform the initial surgery. So when you think about adding uh, data from sources other than the uh, EMR, what other sources would be included uh, based on what you've just described, Chris? Uh, well, partnerships with uh, with social programs or, or other area uh, organizations that provide support to these individuals, uh, and you know, it could be schools, it could be could be the social programs. But then on the other side, looking at the insurers where they have the claims data and they're pulling that information through, uh, the claims data is very good for understanding the population. It is not particularly good for uh, for taking action on the population because it comes so much later uh, and it takes a long time to process through. And in many cases, it's about what got billed, not what was performed. So it loses a lot of the richness. You know, another thing that kind of is the next frontier here is the idea of interoperability, and that is that connected EMR-type record across all different health systems. So, so, so bridging that gap between the health systems. Epic has something called Care Everywhere or Care Anywhere, or they keep changing the name, but that process allows us to see activities that happen at other EPIC facilities, and that needs to broaden to include all different EMRs and, and the information that they have. And then the EMR needs to, those EMRs then need, could grow to contain a lot of that additional information about the patients. Uh, as an example, we just implemented a whole process to gather and collect and process social determinants of health data from our patients. Uh, so that we can help them on the journey. Now, this is intimate information that isn't be given, being given to the care team so much as the risk is being given to the care team so that they can act upon it. Mm-hmm. Here's a 30,000-foot question based on what you've just said. You live in the, in the realm of data and data management. Uh, most people looking at this as uh, a specialization uh, of of the of the hospital or the hospital system see this as something that just has to be baked into the overall fabric of the of the uh, of the institution's day-to-day operations we are in an era of big data we are also in an era where the challenges of managing this data are really becoming increasingly known chris you have an insider's view on all this on a scale of 1 to 10 how far along are we really in this big data evolution today? I think we're we're scratching the surface at best. Uh, big data, you know, when when people talk about that, a lot of people talk about the data in their systems as big data, but big data isn't that. Big data is really understanding what's out there, what's available, and conjuring up uh, a complete story or or as good of a story of the individuals, the process. The the, the service, whatever it is you're trying to find. Um, big data, it, it's a tricky one because we also live in a world where we are tasked and, and have a moral obligation to protect the privacy and, uh, and the security of the individual health record. So it is, it, it's a very difficult thing to have interoperability and HIPAA. Uh, and and we need to be very careful and, and understand how to lock down an individual records while still being able to to give them that connected experience across their entire health journey. And I don't think the world has figured that out yet. And I, I'm not sure 
the world has an appetite to to completely give that up today. And in Europe, we now have GDPR, which is a, 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 frankly a, a more stringent uh, methodology of data privacy and security, uh, even than HIPAA. Uh, by some uh, reckonings, it's twenty uh, percent more uh, rigorous, even than than HIPAA requirements are. Uh, so when we start thinking about this, even on a global uh, basis, the whole world is coming to terms with this. Would you agree? I would agree, and I, I would say uh, I wouldn't necessarily count out. Uh, I, I don't know that you need to go global to be worrying about those same issues. Point well taken. When when you think about uh, what improvements in data uh, intraoperability uh, you would like to see happen over the next uh, decade and how this could impact specifically a robotic program or minimally invasive surgical uh, program, uh, uh, what would you say uh, uh, to your colleagues? Well, first and foremost is, and this is uh, more zero and money and technical than I, I am, but first and foremost is we have to figure out how to pack up information, secure it, lock it down, and being able to transmit it without with great confidence that it will not be intercepted and uh, compromised. I think that is first and foremost where the world has to go. And then really understanding how to shoot that around in a way that makes sense. And, and that really is about understanding who needs to know about an individual and what do they need to know about that individual. So I think it's a, it's about building the right kinds of relationships with the, with the care teams and really understanding what optimal care workflows and care processes are, the clinical workflows, so that the right information can get to the right people. Uh, and then as far as understanding whether it's the patient's decision to move data around or something else. And, and, you know, I think we will be hard-pressed to push beyond a patient deciding that. So it has to be easy then for them to release their information, and they have to be able to do it in a world where they know it will remain secured. You're describing the integration between the work that you do in data, data management, data privacy and security, data interoperability, and the clinical realm and the business realm uh, and the patient services realm, the the, the, uh, the the healthcare realm, putting all these pieces together, that's not an easy task, is it? No, and it gets worse than that because it's probably not a healthcare record. It's a personal record, which is more than healthcare. So on that happy note, <laughs> what advice? What advice do you have to offer uh, to administrators who are grappling with this? Well, I. I think making sure you have your house in order and is I mean that's what administrators can control today. Get your house in order. Get get as much information as you can on a single EMR or on an interoperable EMR within your your domain, and start building that process out. Because if the world gets there and the world has the ability to share information and the underlying structures within our organizations is a mess. Uh, we've accomplished nothing. But if we can start, if we start by building it within our own walls uh, and being ready for an opportunity to, to get to more interoperability, that will provide the world a better place to build out that bigger story, to build the partnerships. It, it, this is not going to be a flipping of a switch. It never will be. But how do we, how do we, if, if we agree that that's where we want to get to, 
how do we then turn around and incrementally start building towards that? We're speaking with Chris Elfner, the Vice President of Accountable Care Strategies at Bell & Health in Green Bay, Wisconsin. If you have any questions for Chris Elfner or would like to share comments with us, we'd love to hear from you at roboticdisclosure at gmail.com. You've been listening to Robotic Disclosure. Robotic Disclosure is produced by Kava Robotics International helping hospitals create profitable, high-quality, best-practice robotic programs in the U.S. and around the world since 2011. Visit kava-robotics.com.